We're live. Welcome to episode number 81 of Let's Humanize the Workplace. And I'm almost celebrating my one year anniversary of Let's Humanize the Workplace. My name is Vivian Aqua and I'm the inclusive workplace wellness advocate. And I just wanted to have a conversation with you. So um, a lot of people don't know or maybe don't realize or maybe they have forgotten that Let's Humanize the Workplace is also available on the favorite you know podcast platform so if you don't have the time to tune in live or maybe you have the time to tune in partially know that if you wait a few days you can always listen back or maybe listen back to the past episodes right i do however have to say say that uh i've done a few episodes in dutch so uh there are some dutch conversations in there but as from next year I will be continuing more often in English, so so that you know. So um, I also have to ask you something, right? I want you to share the love of let's humanize the workplace because I want to be able to do this more often. And I want others to know, to realize what they can do about humanizing the workplace because I believe that it's a responsibility of the employee but also the employer. And when we meet each other in the middle, that's when we can amplify the humanization in the workplace. So that's my belief. Um, if you're tuning in for the first time, Vivian Aqua, and I'm all about creating a thriving workplace. So going to something new, uh, a lot of people know that I am passionate about workplace wellness. I'm passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but not everybody realized that, you know, the buildings, our environment can also cause that passion. There, I have a little guest who's coming in at the moment, so he might be tuning in. It's my son, the reason why I do what I do. <laughs> the reason why yeah it's his bedtime dutch bedtime so i normally say goodbye to him before or after but he wanted to show up and say hello to all the guests um what i was about to say that regarding our environment so one of the things that i've seen recently abn amro is a huge international bank for um here in the netherlands and also um, yeah international and they are saying goodbye to their head office in uh, a predominant space and they are moving towards a, a new space, but also want to say that they are creating a, a workplace or a thriving office where people can be themselves. A lot of people don't realize that the office, the way we used to know them as in, um, as in the buildings itself or, you know, the office itself, or uh, what can I say, if you have like 80 colleagues who are calling, right, and you're the only one who's being, who likes to work in a quiet space, that means that other people are holding you hostage in that space. So I'm glad that Avian Amro is taking these steps to create uh, a sustainable workplace. And I also want to challenge them to create a workplace where people can be themselves and with people can, where people can be themselves i mean that mothers you know are able to do what they need to do for their kids you know that 
people may be able to do a nap in their workplace or people that can be able to sport in their workplace or that people who are neurodiverse can thrive in the workplace or maybe they have a blue environment if you're feeling like you want to you know settle down cool down maybe you need a blue environment or maybe you need a green environment whatever environment is working for you so i see a positive trend which i see that companies are looking differently towards their physical workspace and i'm hoping that they are revamping their workspace where everybody can be themselves and everybody can uh charge themselves up because knowing i i have worked in places where there was no daylight there was um the the environment was really sucking the energy out of me and i my wish is that more workplaces more physical workplaces i know that's a long um, i know that you know it's not a topic for now but we also have to think about where are we going to be in one and a half years i believe that next year the lockdown will still be be there but after one and a half years where are we going to work and how would the workplace look then right we still want to create an environment where we are able to connect with each other at least that's what i'm hoping so today's topic it's about cultural fit and um before we discuss what cultural fit or what, uh, before we have a discussion about cultural fit i think it is important no i know it is important to make that definition clear so this is this is from a dictionary or this is from a website where i uh shared something so what is a cultural fit a cultural fit is an ideal match between employee and employer it's like dating in a job search process you want to find somebody who can work well with who you can work well with who shares your basic values beliefs and can complement the company or the team well basically a, con- a cultural fit is someone who fits seamlessly within the company and organizational culture the value systems beliefs leadership structure and the customs of the organization the way things work here you know you know that i'm quoting things right because i i want to speak so i want to say something but i also want to include our panel guests in this conversation so uh i'm seeing already hi from people so thank you shaf shaf gupta thank you michael for joining this conversation and i need to bring the people up I first want to say that unfortunately uh some of the guest speakers could not make it but nevertheless the guest speakers that are here are going to speak up about this topic. So um I want to bring up the guest speakers. I see Yvonne is uh, showing up double. Okay. Let me share a bio. So first of all, Sesson. Sesson is a transformation and change manager who cares about bridging the gap between leaders and employees by creating a desired organizational company culture and revamping leadership behavior. Yvonne is a DEI strategist who is dedicated to advancing cultural awareness and leading organizations to develop a cognitively diverse workforce. And then unfortunately Greg and uh Jabez could not make it but I'm hoping that Jabez will be joining in the in the comment section. And then we have Maya Adebi. 
I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing your name right. And if not, please correct me because that's where we are at, right? The founder and the host of the Day In Day Out podcast. This is a twice weekly show where he brings in all the good and the great and fantastic. And last but not least, Nick Kuda, who is a product designer and accessibility advocate, passionate about working with mission-driven companies and helping newer designs grow professional. It's a whole mouthful, I know that. Mayua, can you can you help me? Did I pronounce your name right? <laughs> You're not going to be the first or last person to get my name wrong. No, but I do. I do. When it comes to inclusion, when it comes to DEI, um, of course, I can make a mistake. And we also have to honor that other people are making mistakes. But I do want to give you the stage to help me with the pronunciation of your name, your full name. Miwa Adibi. Miwa Adibi. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I see other people like I'm, thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So no let me start off with Sesson. Sesson, um, the first question, why do we need to humanize and now we have a virtual workplace, but why do you feel that we need to do that? Hmm. We can replace everything that is technical or any physical stuff. You can replace employees. That's what leaders try to tell me. And I tell them how much it costs them to replace someone really, because the language mm -hmm. they understand is the money, you know, the dollar. And we are working in a different setting. In the industrial area where you just had people to execute the same task, it's not important to, it was not important to care about the people. But right now with the next generation, it doesn't work that way. Thank you. And I I'm all up for it. I'm all up for it. Me you are? <laughs> uh yeah, like why do we need to humanize the virtual workplace? One of the things with the virtual workplace, which a key thing it's going to be missing, is those sort of moments which you get in an office uh, before the pandemic, well, before the lockdowns, is mm -hmm. like meeting up, having like bringing someone a cup of tea, chatting. And uh, all of these small little things which make the world of difference and makes a workplace a good place to be. And with a virtual workplace, it's very hard, I would say almost nigh on impossible to have these moments because you can do game nights, you can do this, but it's kind of forced where you just like, oh yeah, I'm going for lunch. Do you want to come with me? And that kind of is. <laughs> yeah. But it still it still can be doable though. I I know that a lot of people are facing challenges with this, yeah. uh, not having the the water cooler talk or the the lunch dates or whatever. But it doesn't mean that team building is is gone, right? Virtually, you can virtually still do a lot, still replace a lot, but it's not the same as the real thing. No, no, it's. One of those things i agree yes you can still do team building but when the team is together it's a different energy than when yeah. it's over a virtual link true yvonne yes so i agree with what my dei colleagues indicated you know as humans we're built for in-person social connection um, and it's been proven that physical distance does create some forms of psychological distance so, for example, remote working doesn't easily trigger emotional responses the same way that in-person interactions do. Um, and this includes, for example, empathy and deep connection. 
So humanizing the virtual workplace is really critical. Um, some facets of this include things like word choice, facial expressions as a conduit of empathy, um, choosing our words with care, and really ensuring that our facial expressions reflect our intent. Um, if an employee, for example, is sharing their challenges with their manager or a colleague and the person is off camera or seemingly distracted, it can really make them feel unimportant and unheard. So instead, we should be more tapped in. We need to take more time to lean in and make the person the same focus that you would do if they were in person. Yeah, and what I, 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 I totally agree. And what I wanted to add to that, sometimes people make facial expressions which you cannot match to what they are saying. And I would rather have you have a conversation one-on-one -on -one with that person, asking them, I noticed that you were making a certain expression while I was saying that. Could you maybe help me because maybe in the meantime they were reading you know a funny email or maybe they were doing something else in the meantime and it it had nothing to do with what you were sharing people can be distracted people can do other things but i also want to encourage you that it's not you know it's not a good way to put a colleague on the spot by asking them on that spot saying that what did you mean i'm seeing a twitch in your face or i'm seeing a smirk in your face right yeah Nick. Um, yeah, so I agree with what everyone else has said. Um, I think it seems simple. Uh, we need to humanize the workplace and virtual workplace um, so that every individual feels equally seen and heard um, and that they can contribute. Um, but also, uh, Vivian, you, you touched on something that I'm pretty passionate about recognizing in people and team members. Um, you touched on uh, people have different working styles, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're a parent and you need to take breaks throughout the day, or you do your best and most creative work at night or in the morning and vice versa. Um, are you collaborative or do you work better somewhat autonomously? Um, being able to recognize that each individual has their own working style, um, I think brings us a step closer to, yeah, humanizing the, the workplace. Yeah. But then you also have to, um, how do you say? You also have to maybe test or maybe find find out what kind of people you have in your team and what their working styles are. And the managers also need to be aware of the different working styles because otherwise we will, I mean, we will tap in this whole culture fit thing, but it feels like it also fits in the question as this is not the way we work mm -hmm. here. Yeah. So one thing, uh, real quick, just a tangent that my design team did, uh, we created playing cards mm -hmm. for each of us. And some of the questions were like, um, asking about, you know, do you work autonomously? Are you more collaborative? And you kind of have a sliding scale, but it just gives us a better understanding of how people work, how best to communicate with them. And it mm -hmm. also, when you're onboarding new in my case, designers, um, it just kind of gives them an easy introduction, especially virtually, uh, to who they'll be working with. Yeah. Yeah. So how many cards do, do we have to, how many boxes did you tick then? On, on the playing card? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, how many? I think we only had about eight or so topics on the card, mm -hmm. um, which was more about how you're working, how you communicate, 
uh, favorite part of the design process. Um, and we did have a section on there that said uh, night owl or favorite time of day to work. And mine mm. was definitely night Which owl. Which is an important question that should be <laughs> asked all the time, right? So not only because of this pandemic, but also for future references, people thrive on their different occasions. I'm mm -hmm. an early bird. Well, before Corona, I was waking up like 5.30. Now I wake up between 6.30 and 7.15-ish. Yeah. I have a son. I have a child who's still really early. early. <laughs> <laughs> I have a son <laughs> who is my alarm clock, so I have to wake up by then. <laughs> so starting, starting with you, Nick, um, is culture fit? the enemy of diversity how do you see this yeah um i don't think that culture fit in itself is the enemy of diversity because we're introduced very early on in our lives to gender and racial stereotypes societal expectations and kind of how to interact with people right um well before we're ever applying to our first job um but also not all individuals or companies have the same values, beliefs, behaviors, or based on that, their own version of culture fit. Mm -hmm. um, but what I do believe is that people use culture fit to mask a candidate's strengths or weaknesses, uh, kind of as, an, as a reason not to hire someone, right? Um, saying someone isn't a good candidate because uh, we didn't click um, isn't is obviously not the right way to evaluate someone, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Candidates should be evaluated based on their skill set, their experience in relation to what the role that they're applying for requires. Yeah, totally get that. Yvonne? Yeah, I agree uh, with Nick. I think that it depends on the organization. Um, I do think that in some instances, culture fit uh, can be uh, counterproductive to diversity efforts, um, mm -hmm. as well as innovation too. So, you know, what most organizations mean by culture fit are the synergies of the office, how well the team gets along, how employees embody the beliefs and values of the company, and sometimes even demographic profile of the team. Yeah. So for some, it's even as narrow as, you know, I want to hire people that I, I would like to hang out with. And what you end up with that is more of a homogeneous culture. And it really, unfortunately, sometimes disregards the value and the advantages of diverse backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives. Um, it really just sends a message that, hey, you know, we're good with what's already working, you know, and, and you need to really come in into what already exists. And if you don't, then you don't fit. But, you know, as, as study after study shows, I think homogeneous groups um, are less informed, they're less effective and um, less decisive, whereas more diversity of background experience and thought and contrast, um, both in identity and cognitively, you find them so much more effective, innovative, adaptable and agile. Um, they're the key for growth and long-term success. So um, I think that we have to be really careful about how we're talking about culture fit. And I'm actually a big proponent of moving away from the terminology of culture fit mm -hmm. and more to culture add. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And regarding this whole culture fit thing, it's also the way, I mean, I share the definition of culture fit, but it's also the way that people interpret it. 
it's also the way that they want to uphold, you know, again, the homogeneous uh, group and the way that's being used, especially when you see it or when I see it in vacancies, they are looking for somebody uh, who fits in the culture. And I'm just like, what kind of culture are you are you referring to? Because when I look on your side, when I look on your YouTube channel, I only see one and the same. Is that the culture that you're looking for whilst preaching for or saying that you want diverse people, saying that you are positive for diversity, but yet again, you're using certain words and you're using culture fits. Um, words that fit in the culture fit as in the one group that dominates the workplace. Sesson. Yeah, I will answer from a different perspective with an example. So first of mm -hmm. all, culture fit for me is definitely the enemy of innovation. Because yeah. what leaders understand is they close up when you use the word diversity, right? And especially if I use it because they want to mm -hmm. label me with this word, I don't position myself with diversity, by the way. Um, so it's, I use the terms that they understand. It's um, the enemy of innovation. One example that I want to give you is that our Swedish consultancy that I used to work in was an agile, nice, flat hierarchy company. And then suddenly a bigger one bought us and the message that i want to give you is it's not always you right we were yeah. okay the way we were and then we came to an old-fashioned 90s <laughs> style company and suddenly we were the people that didn't fit in so you don't mm -hmm. need to change yourself all the time make sure that you um, align with the values and just because it you don't align to their values doesn't mean that something is wrong with you because if a company loves, you know, toxic values, then you don't want to adjust, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So that's definitely a big, big um, yeah, cross-check that you need to do by yourself. And we were like 500 people joining an enterprise and we were a misfit totally. Yeah. And we didn't want to fit in into that culture. So that's totally fine. And if you need to compromise on your values and principles, then it's okay not to be a culture fit. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, like with regards to like, yeah, uh, is culture a culture fit, the enemy of diversity? It comes down to the organization uh, for myself. I would say it's not, there's going to be some organizations which doesn't mean the damn thing to them. They're like happy to take anyone from anywhere. They're happy with that. Move things forward. Be creative, creative, creative. But there are certain organizations, let's say in the consulting world, if you don't go to a top tier university, uh, like Red Bricks over here, or say like part of the Oxbridge, Oxford Cambridge system, mm -hmm. or Yale, Harvard, and then like you're not going to a particular business school, you don't yeah. have a chance. And like through just their sort of selection process, from those organizations, it's going to be a certain type always being selected. So it, you don't get that diversity. But as I say, it just comes down to the organization. And some organizations need to move with the times and some organizations with what we're seeing going on in the world are heading towards extinction very quickly. Can you be specific? Because maybe there are some people or maybe ostriches 
you know, not being aware of what's happening in the world. Can you maybe be specific? Because there's a lot happening in the world right now. For example, if you look at the world of retail, like there are a number of organizations, companies which have not sort of modernized with the times where, okay, most purchases now have been done online. Uh, they mm -hmm. just like kept, like they've been around for 10, 20, 30 years, long time institutions. Here in the UK, uh, there's a company called the Arcadia Group. And like they have like some of, like, some of the be biggest well-known names in the country and they've gone into administration today and you could say right people could blame the owner going yes they took out this much money for the dividends everything like this but it was an old school way of thinking with regards to how retail is and it's always going to stay that way where mm -hmm. they could have benefited from someone who may have been more versed in e-commerce and went okay this is what's coming down the road and it's just basically, they've missed it and they're not going to get back. Your story reminds me of um, uh, something that I recently read. So I read that uh, Netflix wanted to partner with Blockbuster. I don't know if you are familiar with Blockbuster. It's a big yeah. video company in the US. And at the time, I think uh, early 90s, they were huge. And Netflix, mm. Netflix wanted to partner with them. Um, there was somebody in charge, um, I, I'm forgetting her name, but she was part of a very high ranking and she saw the value of Netflix working together with Blockbuster. Blockbuster said no. They said that Netflix did not have value, they did not see anything in them whilst Netflix was just starting. Let's look at Netflix now. Yeah. Let's look at what yeah. Netflix is doing when it comes. I'm not saying that they, they are the best company in diversity, but they are making effort. They are making steps. They are including other voices and showcasing that because they see the power. They see the value. And when yeah. you have diverse people in your company, whereas you amplify culture ad instead of, you know, amplifying the culture fit. That's what can happen. Think about Netflix being, think about becoming the next Netflix in a positive way. Yeah. And Blockbuster here in the US is no more as Nick can attest to, um, yeah. you know, they were essentially, you know, run out of business because that's not what the customer demand mm -hmm. was. And Netflix was able to look, I think, further down the pipe to say, what is it that our customer base is looking for, not just today, but in the future. Mm -hmm. And um as a result, you know, they are not only uh, have they survived, but they're thriving, they're putting out original content, they're doing some really amazing things and striking uh, amazing partnerships with other entities as a result. But it really does require that future perspective and requires, you know, to us to embrace the disruptors. Mm -hmm. right when it comes yeah. to industry and again sometimes that can be the enemy to uh, culture fit uh, is that innovation and that innovative perspective that that needs to be involved in order for companies to really compete and succeed i i i love that let's start with you uh yvonne so uh, going up to the next question how can companies leaders recruiters because 
I do see, you know, a triangle there, like leaders, companies or uh, leaders, companies and recruiters. That's where this whole culture fit comes in first, right? So how can they move beyond this culture fit collective? Right. As a collective, I would say that, you know, taking an honest and really holistic look at their culture, the candidate search and their hire practices, um, hiring practices rather, um, focusing on instead of the, the fit for the now, but really looking at gaining the valuable elements that the organization or the team culture doesn't currently have in place, but is seeking mm -hmm. to attain. So it's really about looking at what you don't have and don't do as of today um, that a particular candidate appears to bring to the table. So it's more of an attitude, even from the recruiting standpoint of disruptors welcome. You know, as long as they're disrupting in a productive and effective way, um, these are the pos positive deviants that are doing things different from the current team or the organization that are yielding the type of results we're looking for and where we're looking to go. Because if we keep hiring more of what already exists, they are essentially working against their own best interests. They're essentially selecting against their opportunities to really yeah. compete and succeed. Um, and recruiters can do their part by actively seeking positive deviance um, in their candidate interview questions. Like, what's your impression of how our company is marketing to demographic X? Or based on what you do know, how do you think we could improve what we're already doing? Um, and I think this is where forward thinkers really reveal themselves and uh, and stand out from, from the competitors. And that's what you want, are people who stand out and have some really novel ideas and concepts that don't currently reside within the organization or the team. Those are I, the people that recruiters should be looking at. Yes, I totally agree. And it reminds me of a video that I saw recently about a guy, uh, a painter being fired. He was working at a, a big painting company and he was making TikTok videos about mixing colors. I don't know if you have seen that one, but um, he had some ideas. He shared the ideas with the manager of creating value added videos so that more customers could buy that particular brand. He got fired. And because of that, he started showcasing his videos elsewhere. And now he is building his own business by creating creative marketing content for other companies. So I also want you to be very conscious of who you are letting go, especially in these times, because people can share their trials and tribulations. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody should do the cancel uh, culture or, you know, invest in the cancel culture. But I do want employers or managers to realize that your actions have consequences. Your actions can be showcased online and that's not what you want. Nick. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if this is low cost or low effort, but um, mm -hmm recognizing that interviews are intimidating. It's a mm. pretty intimidating scenario, right? Um, especially if you have multiple people interviewing you. Um, so I, I th in today's workplace, um, and in addition to gender or race, um, I believe another group that can be unfairly judged um, in an interview setting is those that are soft-spoken or introverted. Um, 
it's not to say that this behavior is fair, but there is an advantage to being outspoken in an interview setting and being able to recognize and adapt to certain interactions when it comes to um, talking about your skills or experience with an interviewer. Um, but just because someone may be quiet or seem nervous in an interview doesn't mean they wouldn't be a model employee um, or add a lot to the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also a one time. Um, how do you say that? It's also a one time uh, thing that you're seeing, right? When you're taking a test at this mm -hmm. moment, for, for for instance, a personality test or exactly. maybe the Gallup test. Yep. You're only testing that person in the moment whilst you don't know what that person, how that person will behave tomorrow or how that person will, uh, how the end results will be tomorrow or next week, right? We also right. have to see, look beyond the future. Yeah, that is tough. You give yourself a couple hours to interview, you know, one person for a job that you expect them to be there for years, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I totally agree. People knowledge. Know about people. Mm -hmm. activate your empathy so much more that we can do <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, here you are. can you share something um I, with regards to basically uh what companies leaders recruiters can do it's just think outside of your regular box because mm. too many people get stuck in that and like you kind of like you kind of see it where if you like someone comes from a big institution college or university that they get instant prestige where they might not they might be middle of the pack there but they might be getting someone who's absolutely fantastic from a state university in america or a polytechnic in the uk mm -hmm. uh, they I think there's a little bit too much certain organizations will go, yeah, we only take people from this institution or this type of institution alike, and they won't go outside of that box. Uh, yeah. 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 And you're missing out on innovation, on new ideas, on new creation, wow. especially in this fast moving world that we're in right now. I, yeah. I sometimes think about what would the pandemic be in the early 90s where we did not have internet where we did not have that connectivity whilst we do now i know for a lot of people it's not what they want but it's solving the connectivity challenge in a huge mm. way yeah but it comes it goes back to your point with the gentleman who was doing TikToks, yeah. uh, like basically like bringing up awareness and stuff like this. There are many a, many an organization which haven't looked at, say, doing YouTube, have not looked at doing podcasts, yeah. not looked at doing TikToks because that's not what we do. And like, we're not some type of teeny bopper when you're like going, well, these are going to be your future customers. And you <laughs> like, it's not always going to be boppers on there. So yeah. I think you did something like this, right? <laughs> I think I got my mic now. <laughs> yeah, um, leaders need to acknowledge that they have an issue here. That's the first step, because if you don't know about it and you're not aware of what you are doing wrong, it doesn't help, right? So mm -hmm. um, one example, maybe because the others covered it all, I can tell you what not to do. Mm -hmm. Again, back to my example of the one company, 
when they uh, saw the change this year, you know, the social centers, um, they changed the job description. And suddenly you mm. saw only people of color. And now I was asking myself, where are the white people now? They are gone. We never asked to remove them, right? So this is not the idea. This is uh, recruiting and diversity gone wrong, right? Because no one yeah. said to you, pull out all the white people. <laughs> we just said to you, give them a better chance and don't make it harder for them based on certain features. So this, I think just doing blindly doing some actions doesn't make sense at all. And, yeah, and also, and also when it comes to the stock photos, right, can we please yeah. stop, stop using the window dressing because the moment that that person walks in the company or sees you know, you know that LinkedIn has a, a page where people can see the employees and can see yeah. the images. But the thing is, I've never seen a job description or picture from them covering other people than just white people. And suddenly they fully switch to the other uh, perspective and you are like, what's happening now? <laughs> you know? So, and then you would ask yourself, where are the old people now? Where yeah. are the disabled people now? Where are the young people yeah. now? And just, you know a full misunderstanding or just i don't know it's, don't it's know also what. about acknowledging where you're at and um i was recently tagged in a post of companies announcing i think it was dear joe and so many other companies that are announcing 2025 this is our target for 2025 and this is our target for 2030 mm -hmm. i don't want to discredit that because i do feel i do know that it's a good start but however i do want to challenge all these companies what are you doing now to work towards that goal what are you communicating internally it's not about the communication that you're your show you're you're sharing outside i'm i'm caring more what are you communicating with the people that are man managerized, right? That aren't seeing themselves there. Are you listening to them? Are you giving them a platform? Are you doing the work now to work towards that goal? Because if you're just sharing that goal and um, five years, it's so, it's, I mean, we're already at almost at 2021 right now, right? And hoping that next year will be a year where we can, you know, walk freely, take the planes, travel freely, but 2025 is around the corner. What are you doing now to implement those steps to creating that equitable world, equitable workplace? Well, wow. can I add one thing to the one, one, one at a time? Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Listen, please okay. go ahead. So the recruiters, um, I realized this year or recognized this year that every recruiter was reaching out to me, yeah, this company wants to have more women at a certain higher level, and you are like, okay, so can you please, in your first three minutes, I don't want to hear you want women and women of color, because if this is yeah. the way that you approach me, I might be interested. Why don't you just tell me what they are looking for? And yeah. challenge your client, can challenge your customer not to look for certain features, because Sometimes you are looking for someone with a certain mindset and you automatically exclude old people, older people, mm. older than... So we need to anonymize a few things. 
Yeah? Mm. Yvonne is sharing, yes. <laughs> we need to anonymize, yeah. highlight, you know, make it black, you know, the way that the US government is doing when they're sharing items for uh, legal, <laughs> legal Redactions. Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah. I think there's value in that, though, to create a certain level of anonymity, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost the similar to the study of the orchestra, where they had, uh, there was an overabundance of men um, being yeah. cast for orchestras and they had uh, they changed up the dynamic of the evaluations where they had them come in behind a screen yeah. and wanted to just hear the skill sets right and and their abilities to play and they realized even with that that wasn't far enough because they were still able to see um, some indicators somehow or another that some were male versus female, whether it was their shadows of their hairstyles or the mm -hmm. clicking of heels. So then they laid carpet and they made it more opaque. And so when in the end, um, if memory serves correctly, they ended up hiring more women to the orchestra yeah. based on their abilities by just listening. And so there are, I think, some steps that organizations can certainly take to make candidates more anonymous by taking off name and some of the other key identifiers. Um, so that way they're literally just looking at the skill sets of the individuals and matching those up against their competition to say, hey, based on who has done what, who can do what in the future, this is how this is how we're going to select for this particular role. It should be, I'm I'm hearing the voice, but then the voice at work, right? Everybody turning their their chairs around so that nobody can see them, but they can still be able to see something of their work, right? Mm -hmm. Um yeah. I also yeah, you had a okay. yes. Yeah. No, I was going to say with a lot of the programs which are like basically coming like coming through now like for the last couple of years my thing would be uh, it'd be very interesting to see how many of these companies are going to hold true over the next like 24 months because right now the hard time cometh and last time 2008 many of these programs just disappeared like that yeah. And they didn't come back for a good five years. And so what is it going to be like this time around? Will they keep these programs? Will they still like go with cultural fit? Or is it going to be a case of, yeah, we're in a wartime situation right now and we're just going to go this way? Yeah. Out. And with, with, with these programs, can you maybe give some more context about these programs? Are you referring to DNI programs or are you referring to something else? Like I'm just like with regards to the sort of like yes, cultural like cultural fit inclusion and mm -hmm. like sort of, sort of focusing on that like basically doing like seminars days or like sort of meetings where you're gonna have to like be culturally aware of men like other members of your team and like that type of situation. I don't know if there are gonna be many companies be like okay we. We need to do this or it's like okay we need to just make sure we've got the lights on and we're not gonna we're gonna put down the back burner for one year two years, mm -hmm. five years who knows yeah i totally get that i totally get it but i do see that we also have an obligate ob obligation to keep companies accountable keep managers accountable right what you're seeing 
Um, I'm seeing also in some companies that they are not only showing transparency regarding DNI, mm. but also tying the figures towards the managers. If a manager, for instance, has a, a, a leakage of a marginalized person or somebody in a minority uh, group, they should be penalized for it. They shouldn't be awarded for it. There should be something in it for the manager as well to do their best to keep that person in. And if somebody's leaving out, also ask them, why are you leaving? Because I did, you know, maybe you did everything that you could do, but still were not able to provide a safe space, or maybe they changed something. We need to ask those questions and we need to tie in these connections to the rewards of the manager. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from, but like there is going to be a case of, there is going to be some organizations which are like, okay, like we've lost like 40% of our income. We've lost yeah. 50% of our income. We need to do this. And yeah. I, I only say this from the realms of what I saw last time with 2008 with that and this, see, I don't know how long the recession is going to last or how mm -hmm. deep it's going to be, but it's not, it's everyone on the globe suffering, if you get yeah. what I mean. So yeah. there are companies yeah. which are definitely, they're around, but they might not be here in three months time. So that's okay. the reason I bring up. We'll see. I do yeah. have two questions. Do I have an extended yes to extend the, the session a little bit with 15 minutes? Yeah? yeah. Session? Yeah. I'm okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I want to know what candidates can do. So if they see a company that is oozing the culture of fit biases, that is oozing the culture of fit during an interview, do they need to activate the Forrest Gump and run? <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick? Um, I think that depends. Uh, mm -hmm. One, on how new your running shoes are. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think prior to the interview, um, you could take note of phrases and wording in the job description. Mm -hmm. um, does it say things like we're looking for someone who works hard and that we can grab a drink with? Um, if mm -hmm. so, you should think about why they would include something like that instead of adding, you know, something more in the description uh, around qualifications or experience that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see this often, maybe not as blatant as that, but um, it's not to say that the company is automatically bad or that this was intentional. <clears throat> um but the type of statement definitely does make it seem like culture fit is prioritized over work uh, skills and experience. Mm -hmm. um, but what if I'm a high performer who prefers to go home to my family after work? Or what if I'm taking night classes after work? Does that mean I shouldn't apply? Um, so yeah, there's a lot to think about there. And I don't think that it's a, a yes or no answer. I, I feel like there's more more to think about. Thank you. Sesson? I'd say do your homework before that. You know, check the job description, but this will not give you so much information, uh, to be honest, in Germany, because they we have certain rules, right? So then <laughs> go on website, Google them, 
uh, be prepared about the questions you want to ask, check who's on their leadership team, check how they look like, double check on LinkedIn, how um, fast someone was, you know, elevated to the next uh, level and compare this between men and women, especially for the women, right? Because um, I suddenly hear a lot of times, oh, we want to develop more women in leadership position. And then I could, you know, now jump on them and tell them, look, you are not doing anything for women. But I tell them, okay, why was, I mean, why are there not any women? And then you get the answer, we couldn't find them. And I was like, yeah, okay, but where do they hide? Beneath a stone or why is it not possible for you to find what was so hard, right? And then you hear, then you ask them, okay, now you have the women, at which level are they? Yeah, we have women yeah. in leadership, but where are they? On the lowest level, team manager, and why? How long does it take your people to get to this level? You ask in general first, you get the answer for them. And then you ask how many women are on this level? And how, if there are uh, many, how long did it take them? But, be, you know, have a certain order with your question. Ask first neutrally with um, getting the answers for men and then double check. And that's the way you can find out as a woman, for example. And then mm -hmm. ask about their background. But be yeah. prepared. You need to have the answers up front by doing your research. And you can do this on social media, right? On, on their website. So they Definitely. cannot leave you. Definitely. Yvonne? So I agree with what everyone's indicating about doing your homework first, um, looking at the roster of the organization and certainly the team that you're going into to figure out is there real diversity, right? Um, in terms of not just identity diversity, but diversity of thought, you know, is the team known for innovation? Um, are they known for pushing the boundaries and, and even being willing to challenge um, some, some leadership ideologies? Um, and in terms of, of during the interview, you know, um, I often think about like when the interviewer might spend an, an inordinate amount of time, um, perhaps on your education or, you know, if let's just say I went to a community college yeah. um, and the recruiters like really getting into the weeds about my coursework or what I learned and to poke at kind of how educated I really am. Um, would that be happening to someone else who perhaps went to a more prestigious school? Mm -hmm. uh, would it receive that level of scrutiny? So I think that there are some things that you can kind of tell during the course of the interview that like they're skewing one way or another. Um, and we know this to be, you know, typical, the halo and horn effect, right? Like the latter being the opposite and the premise that if a candidate did poorly in one particular area, it's assumed they did poorly in all areas. Um, and, and being kind of attuned to those type of things. Say, for example, if uh, you were let go from a position or you were in a position for a short period of time and they ask you why and you indicate, well, Perhaps, you know, you say the role wasn't a good fit for me. Um, and then they start to dig into that a little bit more, but it gives you the sense that they're looking at you as the potential issue versus perhaps the team or the organization wasn't a good fit for you, your skill sets and what you want for yourself in your career. So those are the things I think that you know, as you're interviewing for positions, you need to be attuned to um, and and make a note of it. Um, and as I often teach my my teenage daughter in life, 
don't color red flags yellow or green. Red mm -hmm. is a red. See it yeah. and, and respond accordingly. Definitely. And I also, I, I love the fact that you are mentioning, you know, you all are mentioning do your homework because it's so important for you to do your homework before you make a, a decision which can impact your future, which can impact your, your life and whatever choice that you are going to make. So don't be afraid to connect with a person and ask them, how is it really within this company? Is it like they say it on the website or is it different? You can always reach out to somebody. Most of the time, maybe they will say no, but I also know for sure that there will be somebody out there who's willing to go the extra mile for you just to share the truth, right? Why not? Mm. You're nodding your head. You don't believe that or? <laughs> no, like this is a thing. Like with everyone, what everyone said, like prior mm -hmm. to myself, like killing yourself, like you've raised some very good points. Ivan, yeah, Ivan's made some really good points. Like we, like we're living in the 21st century. It's not like yeah. it's the 1990s or the early 2000s using the tools such as Glassdoor, basically reaching out, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, with LinkedIn. I think it's very important or just simply going on to forums where people have worked and might be able to give you much more of an insight. It, like you've got to remember, work is like going to be anything from 40 hours to maybe 50 hours of your life each and every week. And if you're going into an environment which doesn't fit you with that sort of cultural fit, you don't, you're just going to make yourself miserable. So knowing that, knowing that ha having all of that information, that knowledge to hand, use it. And so you can make a much more of an effective like decision. If you are a social person and you like hanging out with people from work, but yeah, it's a very like pinned up, uptight workplace, you're not going to really thrive there and like vice versa. So it comes down to, yeah. Do your research. Always do your research. No. Save yourself the misery. Let's start. Let's start with that. And I want to ask you another question. So uh, we have almost, you know, come to the end of the the show. But I wanted to know what will be your wish for twenty twenty five when it comes to humanizing the workplace and the so called culture fit. Is up to myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like basically to be more understanding but also with regards to youngsters who are coming out of like school colleges have them have some type of system where they can like have that sort of full-on work experience because we've all done the nine to five like five days a week working and you kind of learn a lot of new things very quickly when you're in the workplace if you're doing the virtual work like situation you're missing out on a lot of education which yeah. can help you along the way so if we can do the like partial working from home and working vi like virtually but help integrate that a little bit more so for people who are coming in so they just can be accustomed to learning the ropes of what a workplace situation might be or yeah. environment I should say good point good point i forgot the awesome card but i will use it this time Thank you. I, I also wanted to add that connect people with mentorships, right? Correct people with mentors, because especially, yeah. you know, not only youngsters, but everybody who is in the workplace, 
needs to have a mentor needs to have a mentor so if it's not internally then go look for a mentor externally Sesson. the same as i you know chose when i started uh, i'd like to create leaders with human touch because mm. i think this got lost somehow and it's super important that they start caring about the people right and not faking it but truly caring about giving them a great experience at work Love it. and i don't think we have time till 2025 now <laughs> no we don't we want it now <laughs> yeah i think this year has changed the game dramatically and uh, time is running out and i think we are done with excuses especially when we see the next generations coming in right mhm mm more vocal yeah yeah ivan I would say that when organizations say that they want employees to feel as though they belong, that they move beyond the lip service to real strategic implementation of policies and efforts that reflect it, mm -hmm. um, asking their people what they're looking for and deliver that value back as reciprocity for what they expect from their employees and their contributions to the culture and the organization's success. Yeah, we should also see it as a win-win, right? It's not only like, I feel like before uh, this lockdown, there was, or there, in some industries, there is a war for talent. And now it feels like so many people have lost their, their jobs and so many companies have outstanding vacancies. They have a lot, a lot more options to choose from. Whereas when once the situation stables, or the lockdown is over. You have to think about what you're doing now, how you're being perceived now, how you are treating your candidates or your future candidates now, because what you're doing now, they will remember. And if they don't remember, you always have, I'm Google, or maybe, you know, hello Google, or maybe Amazon Alexa. Look what the company did in 2020. How, <laughs> how diverse were they, right? They can always look up the answer. So. There is no hiding anymore right now. Nick. Um, yeah, so plus one to your point earlier around mentorship. Mm -hmm. um, that's something I'm pretty passionate about. Um, I love helping <clears throat> newer or, or younger designers kind of grow and figure out their career path. Um, but yeah, my wish for 2025 is that people will become way more empathetic and aware of the dangers of hiring just for culture fit. Mm -hmm. um, but also that working remotely will help kind of level the playing field uh, when it comes to, you know, candidates uh, applying to positions. Um, Can you elaborate and, that uh, a little bit more? Yeah, I, I, you know, everyone is forced to work from home, right? Um, mm -hmm. So what that does, I think, is it makes it a little more personal to you. What is your situation at home? What is your internet like? What is, um, let's say, since we're virtual, what is the quality of your audio and video like? Um, mm -hmm. My, not fear, but kind of assumption is that if remote work becomes more widely adopted, will those become new biases to candidates in the application process, like, oh, yeah. his internet was poor, it really affected the way that I perceived his work. 
or his audio kept cutting out or, you know, her video didn't work. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I hope people just become more empathetic and, and understanding that again, every, everyone's in a different situation. Yeah. We need, we need Wi-Fi, right? As our basic uh, <laughs> human necessities. So we need that, especially yeah. now. Yes, it was an amazing conversation. Thank you all for, for sharing your insights on the culture fit. And I'm hoping that those who are watching or those who are listening are really tuning in towards leaning towards the cultural ad instead of leaning towards the culture fit because you are purposely or unpurposely you are excluding people when you're activating your culture fit during your vacancy or in your job vacancy or in your during your interview and i want us to do better so um i also wanted to say hi to people to a few people that shared hi so michael say early birds rock yes i believe so as well and Haidar, who's working at ABN Umbro, is also saying hi. Um, yes, it was amazing. And uh, thank you all for joining in this conversation. I wanted to close off with what I usually do. And that is saying thank you for everybody who watched. And I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And uh, I also want to ask you something right i did not share the guest speaker of next week because i'm still uh we are in a confirmation session but i know that the guest speaker is uh, a lady that's something that i can share uh, she's a woman she is residing in the united states and she's an author she also has an audiobook. That's something that I can share, but for now, I'll still keep it a secret and hopefully we can share soon who my next guest speaker is. So thank you all for watching and uh, don't forget to share the love on uh, iTunes or other you know, hosting platforms, podcast hosting platforms, because I just want other people to know that humanizing the workplace is not an effort only that I do or my guest speakers do. I want it to be um, a manifesto for everybody who's working in the workplace. So uh, for the employers and also for the employees as well. Thank you for watching and until next time. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>